From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Thursday, October 21st. A private investigator is working the homicide cases of Moab locals Kylan Schulte and Crystal Turner, and he's proposing a novel technology to help find a suspect. KZMU's Justin Higginbottom looks into whether satellite imaging can help fight crime in rural communities. Jason Jensen is a private investigator in Utah and occasional guest on Court TV. It was on that program he saw Kylan's aunt. I heard her story. I heard her sincerity. And the, you know, I could tell from her voice the pain that they were going through. So that very next day, I reached out in social media, you know, that I, offering my services for free. It's been over two months since the murder of Kylan and Crystal. The Grand County Sheriff's Department hasn't named any suspects. Jensen is collecting any information he can around the campsite where the couple was found. And unfortunately, like in an urban setting where you have a, a, a home and a house address and things like that, this is the wilderness. So how are you going to find out who this guy is? We don't have neighborhood doorbell cameras or surveillance down the street. No, this is the wilderness. And, you know, last I checked, bears don't talk. And so we devised the strategy of combining the technology that was used in the Daybell Vallow case up in Rexburg, Idaho, where they use satellite images to identify. The case Jensen is talking about is that of Chad Daybell, who was charged with murdering his wife and stepchildren in Idaho. Utah's KSL obtained satellite images of Daybell's property, which shows disturbed soil near where police claim he buried his victims. So what we're hoping for is that there will be high resolution for that occasion. If they have high resolution of Moab, that the camp is close enough that it might be in the fringes of the photo where we can take advantage of that high resolution in order to zoom up on the camp and obtain a a description of the vehicle. But police didn't use satellite imaging in the Daybell case. Investigators actually located the burial spot from cell phone data. Ray Purdy is a CEO and founder of Air and Space Evidence. His company is where someone like Jensen might go for satellite images. Can satellites be useful in solving crimes? It depends on the crime. There's two problems in terms of solving crime. One is getting the satellite data that will actually show the crime. People watch many Hollywood movies and they expect that satellites are constantly going over, taking images all the time of every place, where in reality, the satellites are going over maybe sort of once a day or something like that, you know, so they're not stationed above Utah taking pictures all the time. A satellite might be taking pictures above Moab from around 10 in the morning to 3 in the afternoon. And if there is an image for the right time, it's not always useful. The second problem that you've got, even if you can get the satellite data showing something, you might just about be able to make out the model of the car, or it's a blue car, but the chances are, you know, it's, it's how useful is that information really. But there are crimes where satellite imaging is especially useful. Crimes that take place over months or years. So if somebody's growing marijuana, or if somebody, one of the things that we specialize in in Europe is people set up illegal waste dumping sites and charge money so people avoid paying tax. And uh, these, these operate for months or years on end. So, you know, we can find those sorts of things or provide evidence of those sorts of things. Also, because companies receive requests from rural areas less often, they are more likely to archive photos of urban areas. Although that isn't to say you can't get lucky. We, we did one case where there was a murder 
and we couldn't find a satellite image of the murder location, but they had a, the police had a suspect, and this was in Texas, and we found an image matching the exact time of the murder of the suspect's house. And what was interesting about that was the suspect said he was at home uh, with his car on the drive and he was in all, all, all day, so it couldn't have been him. And we could see very clearly that his car wasn't on the driveway at that time. The fact that photos are likely not being taken of you from space could be a relief for some. Unfortunately, not for those looking to solve a murder. Justin Higginbottom for KZMU News. Who is the artist whose work you've seen the most? If you're a skier or snowboarder, there's a good chance it might be James Nehus. In the last 30 plus years, he's painted over 300 resort trail maps. In 2019, he was inducted into the U.S. Ski and Snowboard Hall of Fame. Recently, Nehus announced his retirement from trail map making. Matt Hoish, with our partners at KOTO, spoke to him about his career and life in art. Growing up on a farm in Colorado, James Nehus liked to draw. First, it was just things around him. Then, he got sick. I think I was three months flat on my back with nephritis. And my mom bought me an oil painting set. And so I would lay in bed and paint landscapes from uh, magazine pictures. And, and, you know, after I got out, overcame that, well, I just um, continued to really be enthralled with uh, the landscapes around me. For Nehus, painting trail maps has always been more about the landscapes than the skiing. He didn't even learn to ski until he was an adult, enlisted in the military, and stationed in Europe. Eventually, he says, he became an intermediate skier. Skiing with a little fear. When it comes to trail maps, Nehus also didn't start until later in life. At 40, he moved to Denver and freelanced as an artist. But he was struggling. You know, I, I was uh, just trying to get any illustration job I could get. One artist he admired was trail map-making legend Bill Brown. And he lived in Denver, so I looked him up and hoping that he maybe had an overflow of work and uh, that maybe I could uh, help him out. That cold call set the stage for one of the next great trail map makers in ski resort history. One job led to another, and another, and another. Breckenridge, Vail, Mammoth, Sun Valley, Jackson Hole, Whistler in Canada, Sun Mountain in China, Coronet Peak in New Zealand— The list of Nihus maps goes on and on. But at the beginning, the map-making path wasn't a sure thing for him. At first, it was hard. Watercolor was new to me. Uh, I'd been an oil painter for many years and really felt like I didn't have the control over watercolor. You know, I, I just jumped in and learned it and, you know, worked it and worked it. Other parts, though, he says, came naturally, like integrating different perspectives. Making a two-dimensional map requires moving a mountain around in your head and putting it back together. Nehus usually starts with aerial photographs, either taken by himself or sent by the resort. It's a lot about kind of rolling back the perspective. In other words, many of mine are traditional with the sky. Well, whenever you're looking at a mountain with the sky, you're looking horizontally across the mountain. But there's lots of slopes on the backside. So it's what I kind of do is get a perspective that's from above looking down so that I can get those back bowls. But I kind of trick you with doing it in such a way that I can get the sky in. 
When it comes to any reactions he gets from skiers and snowboarders, Nehus says he rarely identifies himself when he's on mountains, but every now and then it comes up. I was on a lift one time with a, with a lady and her, I think it was her daughter, perhaps, grown daughter, and uh, we were talking and and they ask about some run on the on the mountain, you know, and I said, well, let's pull out the map and look at it. So I pulled out my map, and so, you know, it just led naturally to it, and they were just beside themselves. They were riding, riding up with a guy that did the map. Those sort of chance encounters might now become even more rare. Now that he's 75, Nehus is retiring from map making. He wants to devote more time to doing landscapes. And his time at resorts, he says, is probably a thing of the past. I don't ski that good anyway, and uh, I'm so much into this, and I feel like I have so little time left that that I'm putting everything into this uh, new venture. After three decades on, around, and above the slopes, a well-earned apres ski for James Nehuse. For KOTO and Telluride, I'm Matt Hoish. This piece comes from our partners at KOTO. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, October 21st. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.